family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. This is Tim and Friends for March 31st, 2022. My guy Jesse Rubinoff is ready. I think I'm ready, and I hope you are too. <laughs> we have got an NBA champion in Kenny the Jet Smith on the Raptors and who they might want to face, on who he has for MVP, and if he's finally worried about the Los Angeles Lakers. All year long, we have asked Kenny the Jet Smith if he is worried about the Los Angeles Lakers, and he said, well, let's, let's wait till they get healthy. I don't know if anyone can wait any longer. Although AD is going to play on the team soon. We'll discuss that with Kenny the Jet Smith and Jesse Rubinoff. First things first. Sam Cosentino on the Western Conference race in the NHL. Who his Hart Trophy winner is yesterday after Elliot Friedman took us off the rails with a little Roman Yossi mm. suggestion. And just what the hell the Leafs are going to do in goal. Rashbidani from Dunedin, excuse me, after the Jays and Tigers today. And Craig Forrest on Canada qualifying for the World Cup. Hoping this is a good one. I just, I honestly, I just hope it's better than this dude showing at the European Cricket Series. On that anyway, right? It's T10. Are you telling me Sharkat's batting more aggressively now than if he wasn't? Oh, uh -oh no. big trouble. Might get three here, you know? Well, I kind of a genuine three. I think they're going to do it. So, yeah, the brother's not helping. Oh! <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh no. Oh no. That was an old viral oh, no. moment. Oh, oh my word. He's taking it in the gonads. He, he? <laughs> <laughs> he tries to go in. Oh. <laughs> he's giving one, he's taking one. Big one in the wickets. <laughs> See, they had, a, they had bring the rain back. They had a rain delay. They were just They tired. got into it a little bit. Right. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, though, but the reason you hurt your finger is because that's precisely what you were trying to avoid at soccer, right? Yeah, kind of in that no man's land right. that ends up being a man's land, if you know what I'm talking <laughs> I, about. I, yeah, yeah. I catch your drift. Yeah, I just didn't know. I mean, receivers in football, sometimes you get caught in the middle of the receiver's window when your hands are facing up and when your hands go down. Yeah. Right? And that's what I, I got caught in between hands up and hands down to make the save. That makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, he could have used your reflexes there. He got caught thinking that he could get over the ball, mm. and instead, the ball got over the balls. Oh, nice. I think. That's. I don't know. Impressive. Jam packed show either way. I guess you could say we have a lot of balls in the air. 
So without further ado, let's kick off the festivities with first things first. Let's get to the stuff, Dickie Duff. First things first. first. Uh, one of the things that I meant to bring up in yesterday's show that I didn't get to that uh, is about the Elliot Friedman, Roman Yossi heart trophy thing. Mm-hmm. So Roman Yossi has better odds for the heart trophy than Kale McCarr does. But Kale McCarr is the runaway favorite for the Norris trophy at this current point. That which I found very interesting. Does that not make sense to you? Well, I think the Avs are a more loaded team, so it would seem that Roman Yossi would be more valuable yeah. to his team. Yeah, no, I think that's the right way to look. Like, and I, like, I know that that would shock people, but I don't really have a problem with it. Yeah. I mean, McCart does amazing things. It makes the, the Avs a lot better, but they're a great team, a great team, even without him. It was funny. Uh, I said to a group of friends, okay, so... You get Roman Yossi, Victor Hedman, or Cam McCarr. You only get one of them for a game. Which guy do you want? Yeah. And <laughs> most of them took McCarr. And I was like, okay, what if you're down one nothing? What if you're up one nothing? Hedman. Right? Up one nothing. You want Hedman. You want Hedman, yeah. right? Yeah. Up one nothing. That's, and fun. You That's want, awesome. And, yes. and Yossi is the guy for both. Yeah. I think. But the, the beauty of Makar right now is that he is a horse and a great offensive defenseman. Yes. Like, I think if you gave me the first pick, I would take Makar. Well, he's the flashiest of the three. There's no question about that. Oh, I know. But he's also a horse. Like, yeah. it's not like people dance him all the time. No. No. Heck of a player. Uh, we will get to more hockey coming up. Uh, that wasn't scripted. I just decided to bring that up. The Hart Trophy conversation is enthralling. Like, we're going to get into it with Sam Cosentino. Yeah. You and I might get into it. Why not? It's first things first. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so before we get to hockey, we got to get to soccer because riding the high of their World Cup qualification on Sunday, the Canadian men's soccer team went into Panama last night but fell short of a victory. We thought Canada drew even in the 80th minute on a goal by Kyle Lahren, but it was called offside after VAR and the Game ended in a 1-0 Canada loss after their undefeated run in the qualifiers. Uh, that was Canada's second loss in three games. Tim, are you okay with that? Am I okay with it? Yeah, <laughs> I'm okay with it. It was anticlimactic though, right? Like that's that's what you're asking me here. It was yeah. kind of anticlimactic. It felt like every time Canada had the opportunity mm -hmm. to deliver a moment, they delivered a moment. And last night they didn't really deliver the moment, but they were still in the World Cup. And the difference between pot three and pot four is significant enough that you would want to play for it, but not significant enough that you'd be heartbroken mm -hmm. if you don't get there. Like, I'm okay with it all. It's just kind of sort of anticlimactic. You wanted Canada far and away, the best team. You wanted three more points to clear yourselves from Mexico and the United States. But as you saw from the United States, who lost, I believe, 2-0 to Costa Rica, that didn't mean anything. It's okay. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the game yesterday felt um, CONCACAF. Like, it was a little concacaf -y. It was like one of the one of – I know you alluded to that on, on Twitter. Yeah. Like, it really felt like that was the – well, they, they've done it before. That's it was the, the most time, but it was game? the most concacaf game of, of all of them. Yeah, the tactics late from Panama were yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, they were in sharp contrast to what you saw at BMO – on Sunday. It was almost predictable. Like let, let's let's be honest here. Like coming off the high, the euphoria that was that match at BMO Field against Jamaica, 
I mean, you imagine the players were probably, I don't know if they were partying or what they were doing, but they were probably coming off of that high. And it's hard to get up for another game that doesn't have the same implications, I would think. Mm -hmm. But now we move ahead to the draw tomorrow morning. Tomorrow at 11.30, I believe. Yeah, 11.30 Eastern. 11.30 Eastern. Depending on where you live in this fine country. Canada and Pot 4. How pumped are you, Timmy? This is what it all comes down to. Yeah, this is, so if you are... Uh, a newer fan to the game, this is a big day. And if you're an older fan of the game, you absolutely positively know what the difference between pot three and pot four are and why Canada was kind of looking for that pot three. Theoretically, if you are in pot three, you will have a team in your group that is ranked lower than you. Mm -hmm. But that, I mean, if you go through the teams that are ranked lower than Canada, there's still some pretty good teams. There's a lot of African sides that you kind of raise your eyebrow and say, Canada's really ranked ahead of Ghana or Cameroon. Um, Ecuador's in that group. Now, listen, it would have been great to get Qatar or Saudi Arabia probably in your first matchup. But let's be honest here. Canada being in the World Cup is about playing the world's best. You want to get to a World Cup to test yourselves against the world's best. And if Canada had that swagger in CONCACAF and became the kings of CONCACAF, there's no reason why when I hit this simulation machine and get yet another simulation on where Canada could end up, that you won't play one of these teams and give them a run for their money. And that's why you go to World Cups. You don't go to World Cups just to score one goal, although it would be wonderful for Canada to get their first goal in a World Cup. You yeah. go there to compete with the very best. And yes, you would rather an easier path, but that's by the wayside now. Figure out who you're going to get. There'll be teams in the third pot that aren't as good as some of the teams in the fourth pot by the time this rolls around in December. Yeah, I'm hearing I'm hearing a lot of the, um, Do we would we rather play a big stage soccer side or would you rather have the easiest path possible and I actually think it's pretty mixed among soccer fans because a lot of people would like to see Canada perform against one of the the big soccer nations and see how they stack up but I mean yeah, you're talking about England and Brazil yeah, like you take want to on the too, very right? best but that doesn't mean that the rest of the group listen you want teams that you can beat in the group yeah but to match up with one of those Giants, which is why you have Pot 1. The Giants will be in Pot 1. Some of the Giants who have fallen a little bit will be in Pot 2. I just did a simulation. Love it. Group 1, Colombia, Belgium, Serbia, and Canada. That's Group 1 here. Right? Belgium. <laughs> that would be fun. I thought Colombia and Venezuela played yesterday, and Colombia beat Venezuela but didn't score enough to get through. Let me, let me re-simulate this here. All right, one more time. But you're always going to be playing against the big soccer nation, basically. Could someone Google if Colombia is out? Because now I'm confused. All right. Three, two, one. Group four. Chile, Spain, Chile. I thought Chile was out, too. <laughs> this simulation sucks. This simulator is so good. Teams I love that. in the oh, World Cup. We, we tried. <laughs> You're the digital producer oh. over there. What do you I want me to find out? Venezuela. I can find it in two seconds. What do you want me to find out here? Teams in the World Cup are Chile and Colombia in the World Cup okay. or outside of the World okay. Cup. Because I believe that fingers. they're out of the I know you got, you're, you're down a finger, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find it right here. Uh, countries that failed to qualify for the FIFA World Cup. I have it. 
countries that failed to qualify? Yeah. There'll be a lot of those. Uh, Colombia, Chile. Both, both of, them of them on there. Failed yeah. to qualify. Yeah, I believe those games were last night. So our simulator sucks. There I you apologize go. for that. There you go. I that was national quick. national TV. Uh, but I did call out the mistake of our That's fingers over here. simulator. Uh, I got more soccer coming up a little later. Mm-hmm. Forget about the simulator. <laughs> simulator sucks. Basically, Canada's going to play Belgium. That's all you need to know. Uh, just kidding. Not yet. Um, with less than a month ago in the NHL regular season, playoff races are, in fact, heating up. Last night, the Jets picked up a 3-2 win in the shootout against the Sabres. They're two points out of the second wildcard spot in the West. The Canucks lost 4-3 in regulation against the Blues. They're five points back, while the Oilers kept pace in the Pacific Division with a shootout win over the Kings. Connor McDavid picked up his 100th point of the season last night, a far cry from the 230 points that I predicted he would have at the beginning of the season. You gotta stop that on pace stuff. Yeah, that's why we haven't revisited it in a while. Uh, Will he do enough to win the Hart (laughs) Trophy? Have you given up on on pace stuff? Yeah, Yeah, no, it's like like Poff, let's just throw it out. (laughs) Get rid of those two. Uh, According to Vegas, uh, he's got some work to do. Did you see who the favorite, now listen, sometimes this is dumb money and Sometimes Leaf fans fit into the dumb money. Mm. But Austin Matthews is currently your favorite in Vegas to win the Hart Trophy at plus 180. Connor McDavid does have some work to do. The Shesterkin thing, I believe, was available for Igor. But he's fallen off a little bit over the last little while. I think Johnny Gaudreau's making a run, too, with his play of late. But this is a wide-open race. And I wouldn't count out any of the Oilers. You know what? It really is a wide-open race, and it wasn't a couple weeks ago because we sat here and we said Matthews pretty much had his hands around the trophy or almost around the trophy. But you look at mm. now you look at what McDavid's doing. Mm. So he's 15 points up on, I, on, on Matthews, right? Can I counter the Austin Matthews? No, he was, a, he was sorry. He was, think, a heavier, he was a heavier favorite at the time, I two think, weeks ago. I think we said that he had taken the lead. I didn't think we had that. I don't know if we went that far. It's much closer now, obviously, than it was a couple weeks ago. And my question would be, if Matthews doesn't win the Rocket, which a lot of people kind of assume that he was on his way to doing, and McDavid has 15 more points than him, so what does Matthews hang his hat on when it comes to the He has to win. You know that. So he's tied now with Drysaddle, so it's not a foreground conclusion that he's going to win the Rocket. No, but to win the Heart, he would have to win the Rocket, and he would have to win it, I think, rather significantly, mm-hmm. though there may be some lag because Connor McDavid's already won a heart. So I think fair? there will be some who may lean a different way. And like, listen, the reason why Elliot Friedman said Roman Yossi yesterday was because it's up in the air, because it's anyone's race right now, and people will be looking for another person to put into the equation. Let us know, at Tim and Friends, who right now, if you had a vote for the heart, who are you voting for? And is it someone maybe not on that board? You, we don't have a ton of games left here. No. And I think it's a great race. And that's the reason why I brought it up to Elliot Friedman yesterday. Flat out. Who is your Hart Trophy winner at Tim and Friends? If you had to vote right now, who is it? Matthews. But I think the odds are perfect at this very moment. I think a lot of times odds can be misleading. I think so the, odds, doesn't the, have the, to the odds are perfect. Rocket. Well, he's tied at the moment with, with some <laughs> runway. Still left in the season. 
but no, I do think he does. I do think he does have to win the the rocket, at least have a share of it. A split is okay. Yes. Yeah, a split as it stands right now. A split is okay. Uh, but but McDavid, I think what I said a couple weeks ago is that McDavid has to put the Oilers on his back and not have them scrape into the playoffs, but force their way into the playoffs. But it looks like they're doing that right now. That's exactly what they're doing, and that's why it's closer. Because Matthews was a minus 250 favorite, whatever it was earlier. And that has changed because of the way McDavid's playing and the effect that it's had on the Oilers. Why are we not bringing up Jonathan Uberdo's name more? Because I think a lot of analytics people don't like what he does in the defensive zone. And that works against him yeah. significantly. I'm sure that uh, Connor McDavid's analytics defensively are wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not as good as Austin Okay, Matthews. so uh, what do the Leafs do with their goaltending situation <laughs> as they take on a banged-up but scrappy? How about that Jets win last oh. night? Keeps them in the hunt. They got to go back-to-back. Blake without, Wheeler. Oh, Blake Wheeler's finish. I, I, I believe he called it Patrick Kane-like. Yeah, I'll give him a little love he for did. that Patrick Kane-like finish. In Buffalo, no less. As the a tender, home. you got a poke check, right? Yeah, uh, you're a soccer oh tender, but you got. I mean, were you not yelling poke check? Him? Of course, everybody. poke check, poke, stick, like, poke. Just the paddle, like you don't. It's it's not a full poke check. It's just the paddle. Get it out there. That was Craig Anderson. Yeah, Come I mean, on. yeah, he's a veteran. <laughs> how you how you let yourself get embarrassed like that, Craig Anderson? Come on, man. So, speaking of goalies, what do you what do what do I think they do? Yeah, like I mean, Eric Schalgren's making the start again tonight. Like I think it's really important that the Leafs do not try and put too much on Jack Campbell's plate. Yeah, because Mrazek's out for six weeks and they have no insurance. Mrazek is basically done for the season, depending yeah. on how long they go. And you absolutely now positively need, with all due respect to Eric Schalgren, for Jack Campbell to return to early form. Yes. Jack Campbell. The whole season rides on Jack Campbell, as if. As if that wasn't the case before he got hurt and the way he was playing earlier and how it translated into their success. The whole, the whole season rides on how he plays. Right. There is some hope that uh, when you pay a guy $4 million, you would get more out of him than what the Leafs have gotten out of Peter Morazic. Yeah. And that maybe he could find something while Jack Campbell was out. What he found was an injured groin. He's done. That has been an absolutely terrible signing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we'll see what Jack Campbell has to do. But I would give... Shalgren as much as you possibly can and make sure that you're building up Jack Campbell properly and not worrying about seeding at this point for the Toronto like, Would you play him against the easier opponents yep. just to get his confidence back yep. up? And who do they play on Friday? Yeah, they play the Flyers on Saturday, which is his first Sorry, game back. Saturday, yeah, yeah. Flyers. Flyers. Right. So. so I think that's easier than the Winnipeg Jets, although yeah. the Winnipeg Jets, we'll see if they can uh, stay in that hunt. The POF is very slim for the Jets and the Canucks, obviously, that Lost last night. Yeah, really, just really. losing these big games at the wrong time. Yeah. Uh, Sammy Cause coming up a little bit later. Last night, the Toronto Raptors increased their lead in the East over the seventh-place Cavaliers with a 125-102 win over the Timberwolves. Pascal Siakam, who started having a bit of an off-shooting night, finished with 12 points, 10 boards, and a career-high 13 assists for his second career triple-double, while Gary Trent Jr. scored 29. The Raptors are two games up on Cleveland in sixth place, tied with the Bulls for fifth. They keep working to avoid the play-in. So, Tim, who do the Raptors want to face in the first round? This is a fun conversation. My, uh, my answer to that a week ago was anyone but the bleeping Bostick Celtics. Anyone but Boston, who at that time had gone 22-3 and in their last 25 games. 
to grab a hold of at least a share of first place in the East. Now with this vaccination story out there, I don't really know. They've lost two in a row without Robert Williams. Yep. Now, let's be honest, the first one came in Toronto without Jason Tatum, without Al Horford, and without Jalen Brown. Not fair. Now, the reason why they weren't in Toronto was injury and or vaccination status. Uh, ESPN went around asking a lot of teams whether they were fully vaccinated because to cross the border into Canada and across the border into the United States, mm -hmm. you have to be fully vaccinated. And the response from Milwaukee was, yeah, we're fully vaccinated. The response from Miami was, yeah, we're fully vaccinated. Philadelphia and Boston declined to comment on this. So if you go back to media day, Jason Tatum said he was vaxxed, but he understood those who weren't mm -hmm. and said it was a personal choice. And then you walk down the road. So is Jalen Brown and Al Horford out of a series in Toronto? Like, and if that's the case, then you probably want the Celtics. Yeah, you would want any of these four teams that's going to be a less than full strength. And if that is the case, you obviously want them. But if they're fully healthy, you want no part of the Celtics. Right? Well, but fully healthy they won't be. We know that, Robert because of Williams, Robert Williams. But who people don't realize how valuable he is to that team. Now, listen, they played Miami and Toronto, lost both those games without Robert Williams. We just mentioned they were missing four significant pieces in Toronto and still took the Raptors to overtime. <laughs> but if point. all that's true, if Jalen Brown's not crossing the border, then you want the Celtics. But yeah, the, no argument for me on that. Say, say they are healthy with the exception of Robert Williams. Of the other three teams, is there one that you would prefer? Like the well, we got to bring up the Celt We have to bring up the Sixers too, because who on that team is not vaccinated? Either? Like, here's the deal: the Toronto Raptors went through absolute hell with COVID-19. Tampa borders, this empty stadiums, that it appears as though they may get their comeuppance. They may get some COVID karma, as it were, Jesse, yeah. because they might catch a break depending on if it's the Sixers, who's not vaccinated on that team, or the Celtics, and who's not vaccinated on it. It's like there are a bunch of guys down south trying to figure out who won't make the trip if it is Toronto versus blank, but they got to hold on to that sixth spot. No question. Looks like they will, too. They are on a run, a heater of sorts. I saw it on your Instagram stories, Daily Dose with Jesse Rubinoff. Oh. That's a plug. At IG. Still okay. to come on this edition of Tim and Friends. We're a team. It's not a plug for you. It's a plug for us. Canada soccer legend Craig Forrest will join us to discuss Canada qualifying for the World Cup. We'll get the latest from Blue Jays spring training with the Rash Danny and Dunedin. And Sam Cosentino stops by to talk some hockey. But up next, we keep the basketball conversation going with Canadian Jet Smith. Tim and Friends on a Thursday. Please, let's go. Wheels down on qualifying and wheels up to the FIFA World Cup. Canada will be behind them every step of the way. Jose Barrios will take the mound for the Blue Jays. Barrios is going to be number one starter. Barrios has been lights out for the Blue Jays. We are here for purpose, for a reason. We want to bring that win for the city. It will be a night race on the strip. That's crazy. I think we'll find a few drivers in the casino then. <laughs> Me being one of them. <laughs> hey, Jermichael, you playing? <laughs> no, he's not playing. <laughs> That's how you do it. Oh, you got to wait for all these letters and stuff to come out. Just ask the dude. He said he wasn't playing.
Welcome back to Tim and Friends. We've got a great NBA doubleheader on Sportsnet 1 tonight, starting with the Bucks and Nets, 7.30 Eastern. That'll be followed by the Lakers and Jazz LA desperately trying to stay in the play-in tournament, but they might be getting some help soon as LeBron James is hoping to return for Friday's game against the Pelican, Pelican, Pelicans. And according to reports, Anthony Davis could reportedly return that night as well against those very same Pelican, Pelican, Pelicans. Love that. Scarface, look it up. Sorry, that's the Italian. Scarface is how you remember. Our next guest collects championships. He collects Emmys. He is the man behind the Jet Academy Online. Get your game right. He is also the man that keeps inside the NBA straight on the actual game knowledge. It is our old friend, Kenny the Jet Smith, who joins. Oh, dear God, where the hell is Kenny the Jet Smith right now? Is that water? You can't make this up, brother. You can't make it up. I'm live from Turks and Caicos. Are you on a boat? <laughs> Kenny the Jet Smith? Yes, I am. I'm on a boat. We're moving. <laughs> We're in Turks. Beautiful water. Oh, beautiful you sky. Son of a. I have never been I, more mad at you sure, in my life. I made sure that this segment <laughs> was on when I was on this boat. <laughs> Well, there are parts of this country that are still around freezing. <laughs> and Kenny the Jet Smith is cruising around Turks and Caicos. I just, I need a horn for that one. Y'all need to give me the horn, nah, man. Nah. I come on the boat. Actually, you know what? Yeah, thank you. Thank you know you, what? No, you. you get this one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm about to fake elbow you, Kenny the Jet Smith. I am going to fake elbow you in the chin. <laughs> I tell you, it's been a long March Madness, man. I, I'm actually on my way tomorrow back to the, back to the mix. It's been some long days. Yeah, well, this is a great way to get prepared for March Madness by cruising. I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Uh, please keep your tarp on uh, while we're talking. Uh, hey, that fake elbow thing with Austin Rivers and Lance Stevenson, like, have you ever seen someone get a second tee and tossed out a game for throwing a fake elbow? Like, what are we doing here, Kenny? Well, I think overall... You know, normally they go back to see if it actually happened. That's <laughs> yeah. what made me was, was so unusual. They normally go back, check the tape. Oh, it really didn't happen. And then now he gets a flopping call. So, yeah, I've never seen that happen. That, that's the first time in the modern era. <laughs> I've seen it happen in the old era, but not in the modern era where you, you go back and you test check the tape before you throw a guy out the game. Should, should referees have to show up on Inside the NBA after the game? Would you like to talk to a referee after the game and say, like, what were you thinking here? Not really, because I can see what you're thinking. You wasn't paying attention. More You're supposed to have either what is a flagrant one, flagrant yeah. two, you know, your ejection. So you go back to the tape. And when you go back to the tape, you go, Oh, play on. Get last attack but flop in and you ain't go on. Unbelievable. Uh, a lot of talk um, about the Toronto Raptors and, and who they might want to play. We were just having the conversation about the Boston Celtics and how well they've been playing as Kenny uh, looks at the visuals that are behind him <laughs> and soaks up. Hey, you find it hard to check. Yeah. Um, so who do you think the Raptors match up well against? 
Um, the Boston Celtics, there's some talk about them having unvaccinated dudes and maybe they'd be shorthanded playing in Toronto. Do they have a chance if it's Philadelphia or Boston or maybe even Milwaukee, seeing how close it is? I wouldn't want my chances to depend on if somebody's vaccinated or not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it I might be. There. If that's what we're hoping for, we're in a bad position right now. Right. So I think that the, what they have to do, I think they play well enough to, like, really put a scare in a lot of people and have it possibly do an upset. Uh, they've done a great job this year. They've gotten better. You know, Pascal Siakam, you know, I think has improved throughout the year. You know, he started off a little bit slow. And then all of a sudden, he started to move. Obviously, the rookies are playing well. Uh, and, you know, with Fred, I just think that it's an opportunity for them to prove that they're just maybe a piece away from being a contender again. Super stat or meaningless number. Uh, we all know that uh, stats like Nicki Minaj videos, they show a lot, but they don't show everything. The Celtics were 22-3. and three over 25 games to move into a tie for first in the East. Superstat or meaningless number, they're 0-2 since Robert Williams got hurt. Oh, no, that, you know, it's a collection. They're a collection of pieces. So, yes, you know, he, he they will figure out how to play without him. Um, however, you know, every – I don't think – obviously he's not their best player, but no. he keeps everyone in their right position. Right. So you don't have to now – you had a shot blocker that you didn't have. You had a rim runner. You had a you know, guy doing different things that now they're going to have to adjust to and someone else is possibly going to have to do. But, yes, they are for real, the Boston Celtics. Uh, you know I got love for you, Kenny. Um, even if you're on a boat and I'm in Canada and you're in Turks and Caicos, I still got love for you. But we've been talking all year long about whether or not you're worried about the Los Angeles Lakers. Are you worried yet about the Los Angeles Lakers? Does this look like I'm worried? <laughs> I'm not worried even if they were worried. No, I, I really believe I, I really believe that, you know, the injuries are the, is the big reason. I, I honestly thought that by now um, Anthony Davis would have been played maybe, you know, seven or eight games. They'd be going into these last six games, moving up till about seven or eight, you know, still in the play-in, but like, oh, they're on an upward trend. I have no idea who they are and what they are. I, I've never seen this team in its entirety. I don't know how good they could be. I don't know how good they are. Uh, but I do know that the teams at the top are not as worried probably now with guys coming back with four and five games left in the season. Understood. Uh, not just inside the NBA that you're crushing it on. As you mentioned, the tournament as well. Yesterday we had a, a conversation with our mutual friend Cabral Richards, a.k.a. Cabby. Does Coach K unretire if he loses the final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium to North Carolina and then in the first ever UNC Duke matchup in the tournament in the Final Four loses again? Now keep in mind, audience, Kenny went to UNC. That Tar Heel Blue is not just the water of the Turks and Caicos behind him. He is a Tar Heel. Like, how does Coach K go out if he lost twice to this North Carolina team? I'll say this. Like, it's not unusual to lose us twice in a year. <laughs> like, it's not unusual. Like, we, we, we've had great teams. They've had Of course, of course. But this year, They've Teddy. had pretty good teams. But I, I think overall, you know, I would give them Tom Brady's number. 
You know, I'll give him Tom Brady's number to see if he wants to really figure this out. Because normally, you know, the difference between playing and coaching, playing you leave because your body just can't hold up. But coaching, you still have a coaching mind. So obviously he's in the final four. You, you're like, what, your mind is going to be less thought. You're not going to have the same thought process. You're not going to be able to move the same next year. I would doubt that. I do believe that, uh, you know, I personally, it would be hard for me to leave going to the Final Four. You, I, I'd have to get knocked out and wouldn't even be in the, the, the tournament for me to say, okay, it's time to retire. Right. Uh, it's a crazy story regardless of how it works out. Uh, before I let you go, I, I listen, we can just tell that you are a man of substance. You roll in certain circles, Kenny the Jet Smith. So I'm going to ask you one last question, and I'll be very delicate with the way I ask this, but I know you have dudes in your phone. The phone that you are holding to do this has dudes in that phone. Are either Chris Rock or Will Smith in that phone, and did you text either one? You don't have to tell me what they said, but have you text either one of those two dudes in the last week? Chris Rock is my guy guy. Your guy 100%. guy. No, he's my guy guy. I was honestly last a month I was at his birthday celebration. So yes, I te- talked to Chris, text text Rich rather, talk went back and forth. I, you know, for me, the 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 uh, just from the outside looking in, the most horrific, unbelievable Still can't figure out what would get someone to get to that point. What Will Smith did, I, and from where I'm from, you, I, I, you don't do that. Like to me, that was a what I call a sucker punch. Like you just walk up to a guy you have no idea, and you hit him. To me, that's a sucker punch. I, I just I, I couldn't take it. I was I was furious after it actually happened, and furious in fact that it wasn't him. So, but Chris Rock is my guy, guy. That style Brooklyn. He took it like a dude from Bed-Stuy. I will tell you that. Kept going. He didn't know it was coming. Like, I I don't know when it was coming. Like, he didn't give any forewarning that he was upset. So that's what makes it, that made it, you know, a little, that's very strange. And, like, to me, that behavior, there's no, there's no place for that behavior. That behavior was, is is appalling to me. Like, I I just, there's no way around it. that's, That's not protection of someone. Like, you're not protecting anyone doing that. No, I, I just give Chris Rock credit for taking it and moving. I didn't know he was your guy guy. I mean, I know you're both New York guys, and you're of similar vintage. I didn't know it was your guy guy. But I am proud guy of the guy. way he took that and just kept on trucking. You didn't even break yeah, t- I mean, a step. I'm, the way he, I'm, I'm proud of the way he handled it. I don't think I, you know, I don't know how I could have, but I would have known that we all would have been in the same position he was in because none of us would have saw it coming. No. I don't think anybody could see that coming. It's never happened in the history of the Oscars. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's not like it happened. Oh, last year, last year you're at this award show. You better watch your back. No, it's never happened. Yeah. Ever. This ain't the source like, awards. No. Like, like, it's not the uh, same thing. Uh, appreciate yeah, that was you. Beautiful behavior. Yeah. All right, wait. I'll give you this before I go. So we'll oh, end on no, a good note. No, no, hold on, hold on. Give me. Have a good night. Have a good day, brother. It's a story, baby. I'm gone. Two words. I'm gone. Love. Exciting and new. Come aboard. Kenny's expecting you. Thanks, Kenny. Be well, buddy. (laughs) He's hanging out. That is unbelievable. Just beautiful. 
the commitment on his behalf to come onto the show when he's on an ocean, on a boat in the ocean somewhere. I'll shut up so you can listen to the music. No, no, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I was gonna search, I'm on a boat, but I believe there's cuss words. Yeah, yes, definitely. On, yeah. yeah. You made a good call. Love Boat? Do you remember Love Boat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Am I your guy guy? Am I your guy guy? Or just your guy? You gotta work into that. <laughs> Coming up, Blue Jays spring training in Dunning. Is Jose Barrios the right choice for opening day starter? Does Dexter Fowler have anything left? Or Rashmi Danny's gonna join us. We'll see if he's on a boat. Welcome back. Blue Jays opening day is one week from tomorrow. Tim and friends will be broadcasting live from the Rogers Center starting at 5 Eastern. And today, Charlie Montoyo announced that Jose Barrios would be the opening day starter against the Rangers on that very day. Meanwhile, Alec Manoa getting the ball for the Jays today as they took on the Tigers live on Sportsnet earlier today. It was nice to hear Buck Martinez alongside Dan Schulman calling the game. The newly acquired Dexter Fowler taking it in on a minor league contract with the club. Alec Manoa getting the start for the Jays and Blue Jays right hander was looking good again. Four scoreless innings. He struck out three, hey, allowing just one hit. Maintaining a spring ERA of under one. 0.96 to be exact. He'll get some offense bottom of the second. Binya Bauer. At his Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Taking it deep and beyond the restraining fences of this yard. By rule, that is a home run. one nothing. Bottom four, two men on Matt Chapman. Lines a single to the opposite field. One run comes in. 2 nothing. Jay. Same inning now. 3 nothing. Jorge Springer, otherwise known as George, also sends a single to right. Toronto up 4 0. Then the fifth, Manoa, joined the broadcast. Here's what he had to say. The outcome can be absolutely amazing. So, as long as we take care of our business every day, um, we're going to be happy with uh, the result at the end. Oh, oh. Ooh, heads up. That didn't miss you. That hit the netting first. How close was that to you? Good thing I'm fast, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Deceptively quick first step. <laughs> And do not reach for it with your throwing hand. That's a Nuke Lelouch mistake. 5-3. Blue Jays win it in the end. By the way, he reached with his left hand. Just so you know. he's. if he didn't swear under right. those conditions. Yeah, oh, look to bleep out. Yeah. 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 As mentioned, the Jays made it official this morning, signing veteran outfielder Dexter Fowler to a minor league contract. The switch hitting 36-year-old appeared in just seven games for the Angels last year before a torn ACL ended the season. But the former All-Star believes he can contribute and said the chance to join a winning organization is what drew him to the Jays. It's one of the teams I had and um, circled on my list that I, I'd like to play for. I know a lot of guys in the clubhouse and uh, – you know, at this point in your career, you're chasing championships. It looks like they have a championship mindset, and, you know, they have the guys in the clubhouse to do it. Um, you know, a lot of talent in there, and me being a, being an older guy, I think I got everybody by like five years. But uh, <laughs> uh, me coming in and just uh, just trying to give, you know, take my mind and, 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 and kind of pass it along to them. You know, that's, I feel like that's, that's part of it, and just being in a clubhouse and being around the boys is, is I think I, could, I have a big impact. 
So before the break, Jesse asked me if he was one of my guy guys. Uh, <laughs> I respond the way I always respond. Respect is earned, not given with Uncle Timmy, and you're pretty damn close. Uh, our next guest is one of my guy guys, guy guy. even if he might not feel the same about me. It is Arash Madani who joins me from Dunedin right now. One of my guy guys. What's going on, Arash? How are you, man? I'm doing well, guy guy. How are you doing over there? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. So, was that an opening day roster that we just saw from the Blue Jays? I don't have Chris. Ro- I, I don't have Chris Rock in my Rolodex. <laughs> no, no. He's not in my. He's not in my phone. <laughs> me either. Me either. I did not. Text I don't even Chris think Rock. I have Jesse Rubinoff in my phone. <laughs> um, I'm a nobody around here. Nah. Rubinoff have you? I have his, his corporate email address right saved. Now. Checking nice. the contact. I got yeah. a rash Madani in my phone. I will tell you that much. A rash. Yeah. I have you. So that was oh, a lie. Oh, look at that. Yeah, I got you. We're guy guys. No. Well, guys. He's saying guy he guy. didn't have yours. Not oh, you didn't I, have oh, yours. Oh, oh, yeah, that <laughs> makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I would have a rashes and a rashes would not have mine. That's perfect. <laughs> uh, all right, so opening day roster today. What did we see? Was that pretty damn close? What are we talking here? I think the biggest thing, Charlie kind of hinted that, but Guriel wasn't starting and left, and Jansen didn't play. I right. expect Danny Jansen to be the opening day catcher. Guys, I, I think Vlad's going to bat in the two-hole to start the season, and I think they're going to give him a run uh, hitting second for a good chunk of the at least the opening month of the season and see how that goes. I mean, think back to Josh Donaldson 2015. He hit second in the lineup that year. And when you look around this lineup with Springer and Bichette and Teoscar, it almost feels like Teoscar Hernandez is um, lost in the shadows here. All he's yeah. done is back-to-back silver slugger seasons. <laughs> yeah. um, I, it just really feels like Guerrero in the two-hole is going to be how – April goes and then kind of reassess from there. I mean, that's a modern-day thing, though, right? Like, get as many at-bats to one of your best batters. That's it. Mm -hmm. And over the course of the season, that can be an extra 20 or 25 at-bats, which doesn't sound like that much. But when you're the finalist for AL MVP, you'll take whatever you can get. Without a doubt. So uh, we just heard from Dexter Fowler. What's the feeling around the room of the addition of Dexter Fowler? Well, Dexter Fowler knows some guys. Uh, Dexter Fowler's been around for a while. Um, Before the room, I'll tell you this, I was down the camera well beside the Jays' dugout, and it felt like every umpire working today came over between innings just to say hello to Dexter Fowler, which I've never seen before in all my years covering baseball. But when George Springer got called up to the big leagues way back in 2014 with Houston, he stayed at Dexter Fowler's house. They were teammates with the Astros then. And the year before, Fowler was in Colorado, and the one year Dante Bichette was the Rockies hitting coach, that's when Dexter Fowler was there too. And Dexter was telling us, I remember when Bo was, you know, young kid. And I said, what do you remember from Bo then? And he said, well, Bo could hit then, even way back when, almost 10 years ago too. So Fowler knows some guys. Timmy, you mentioned the injury. Torres ACL last April, right here in Dunedin actually. And now that he's 36, the body doesn't respond as well. But he hasn't even faced live pitching yet. So he's got to get his legs underneath him. He's got to get back into baseball shape. And the Blue Jays have basically told Fowler, you do this at your pace, and then you let us know. You let us know where you're at. And I would suspect it's going to be at least six to eight weeks before that happens, Tim. Mm -hmm. So we're talking around May long weekend. Um, 
middle of May, something right. like that, right. we're going to get an idea of if, where Dexter Fowler may fit into the equation, if at all, with the Blue Jays. Um, the Jays open, obviously, April 8th. We'll be down there against the Rangers, but it's quite a run here. Like, the depth may be tested for a lot of teams, as it has been over the last couple of years, but with all of this excitement, there may be uh, some expectation tampering going on because, uh, what do we got, 30 and 31 days off the top? Yeah. What is expectation tampering? I was going to say tamp down expectations, and I didn't think it worked the other way. <laughs> Whatever. Can you just power Ta- Tampering through? sounds like something you'd get in Foxborough or something. <laughs> right. Like, are they tampering stealing signs? Footballs? Are they yeah. tampering? <laughs> are we tampering with expectations? Yeah. Um, Look, they're hearing the noise. Manoa was saying today he knew how many seats were left for opening day. Uh, they're getting a sense of some of the noise that's going on north of the border and what's going on there. So we'll see. Look, it, it's going to be expanded rosters. are going to have a bigger bullpen. To me, that still remains the question, Tim, coming into this season. Joel Payamps and Tyler Chatwood and Rafael Delise are not here. But they're going to, you know, we'll see what Jordan Romano is going to be. We'll see what Tim Mays is going to be and Trevor Richards and Adam Simber and on and on it goes. So it's going to be interesting when your starters are really only going to go four or five innings in the opening month of the season at best. Uh, will Ross Stripling and Nate Pearson be able to provide the length? Do they have enough high leverage arms? We saw Jimmy Garcia last night for the first time. And the Blue Jays are high on him. They just signed him to a two-year, $11 million deal. Um, You know, is the combination of Garcia, Meza, Romano enough late in games to do it? Because that, that to me, is the biggest question of all. In the eighth and the ninth innings, what will this team have? What will this team do? Uh, My guy, guy, we've run out of time. And hopefully that kid wasn't yelling at you the entire time. No, they're playing catch out here. It's about to pour rain, so we got to get out of here anyway. All right. Be well, buddy. See you. Uh, Rash Madani, <laughs> live in Dunedin, where a kid was yelling. I'm going to send him my number now. <laughs> we'll go live to a Scotiabank Arena coming up. The Leafs get set to take on the Jets. Winnipeg looking to gain some ground in the wild card race, while Austin Matthews has his sights set on fitting. Stick around, please. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Back here, hour number two on Tim and Friends. I am Tim McAuliffe, along with Jesse Rubinoff. As always, we'll be with you for another 30 minutes on Sportsnet. Full hour on Sportsnet 360. As the Winnipeg Jets hope to keep their playoff uh, hopes alive. Hope to keep the playoff hopes alive. Sure, why not? The shootout win last night in Buffalo kept them in the hunt. Tonight, they're right back at it as they take on the Leafs in Toronto. Another Jesse, our friend Jesse Fuchs, standing by at Scotiabank Arena. Jesse, big story surrounding the Leafs' injuries after they lost three players in Tuesday's win over the Bruins. But I know we got some updates today, so what the hell's the latest with all this? Oh, boy, do we have some updates, Timmy. It felt like Sheldon Keefe spoke for, like, 
five straight minutes at his media availability this morning. He stopped a little bit short of bringing out medical charts and x-rays, but he was very thorough. So let's start and dig in. Michael Hutchinson has been recalled. He's back on an emergency basis to back up Eric Schalgren tonight. Now, on a side on Schalgren, wearing just a beautiful new set of, of Bauer equipment today. Nice. I don't know why you guys really need to know that, but there's like one hockey equipment nerd at home watching this game like me, and, you know, he'll find that very cool. So that was for that one person. Now, Peter Morazic, uh, he went for further evaluation today on his third groin injury of this season. Now, we don't know the results of that further evaluation, but the Leafs expect him to miss a minimum of six weeks. So that puts him mid-May at the earliest. If we're doing the math here, that's in the middle of the playoffs. We got to be honest, it looks like Peter Morazic's season is likely over and perhaps his Leaf tenure, but that's, you know, a conversation for the summer. Now, bad news for Peter Morazic, good news for Jack Campbell. He's been medically cleared to play. His return is imminent. Now, there's a rumor sort of floating around in the ether of Scotiabank Arena, an expectation that he's going to return on Saturday on Hockey Night in Canada against the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, Timmy, failing that, the Leafs play Saturday, Monday, Tuesday. So if he's in any way healthy, the Leafs are going to need him uh, during that stretch. Ilya Labushkin, of course, sucker punch by Taylor Hall of the Boston Bruins back on Tuesday. I know Leafs fans still real, real salty about that, and they won't like this either. Labushkin is not going to play tonight. He skated this morning ahead of his teammates. Now, this is just precautionary. Now, Sheldon Keefe said he showed symptoms of a head injury, but he didn't want to say the word concussion. Now, if you can figure out the difference between symptoms of a head injury and nope. symptoms of a concussion, then you're far smarter than me. But just to be accurate, and it's all about accuracy, that's what Sheldon Keefe did right. say. Justin Hall also knocked out of that game on Tuesday against the Bruins. Uh, he is fine. He's going to play tonight. Now, Timmy, I don't know if you remember this. The last time the Jets and Leafs met back on December 5th, that game was nasty, of course. Jason yes. Spezza need Neil Pionk in the head, six-game suspension. Uh, it was a bad scene. So I don't think there's any coincidence that Wayne Simmons checks back into the lineup tonight for the Buds. And, of course, he's on one wing, and Kyle Clifford is on the other. I guess those are the Leafs' two toughest guys, and the guy in the middle of that line, Jason Spezza. To protect him, perhaps, but, you know, December 5th was almost four months ago, but we know Leafs fans, Jets fans, hockey fans, they all have long memories. So it seems like the Leafs are expecting tonight to get just a little bit spicy. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a tough one for the Jets, obviously fighting for their playoff lives here, get a win last night in Buffalo. Uh, I don't know if they'll yeah. sort out that business tonight. Maybe if it gets out of hand, they think about sorting out some business, but both teams need the two points right now. And listen, I... I I was thinking about this Matthews on the verge of 50 goals and thinking is this really an historic night I mean a lot of guys have scored 50 goals but not a lot of guys have scored 50 goals for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's really the takeaway there I mean you think about the long storied history of the Toronto Maple Leafs they do not have many 50 goal scores and it hasn't happened in a very long time and the window Timmy for him to actually do it at home probably very short he kind of has to get it done tonight because the Leafs after this go on the road for four straight games. If we think Austin Matthews isn't going to score tonight and then not scoring four more to get back at home, seems very unlikely. So if it is going to be a historic night, 
at Scotiabank Arena. They got Phil Collins on now. I think Austin Matthews is going to have to get 50 tonight. Rick Vive, Dave Anderchuk, the last to do it, and the other leaf that some may forget in the instant trivia, yeah. Gary Lehman scored 50 as a member of the Toronto Maple <laughs> Leafs. Uh, thank you very much, Jesse. Always appreciate you. Thanks you. Am I a guy guy now? Do I get that status? <laughs> yeah, I'll sell you, it for friends. Hey, guy guy hey, we've left. known each other for a long. Oh, look at Jesse. Jesse, we've known each other for a long time. We worked through a score together. Like we go way back. Yeah, I think Fuchs is a guy guy. All right, it's true. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. There is uh, Jesse Fuchs down at Scotiabank Arena now. Fresh off their shootout loss, the Oilers to the Oilers. Excuse me, the Kings are in Calgary to take on. The Flames, viewers in the Calgary region, can see the game on Sportsnet West, 7 local, 9 Eastern. Ryan Leslie standing by at the Saddle Dome with more on tonight's game. Oh, Rhino! Well, Tim, the Flames have a six-point lead over L.A. in the Western Conference standings, and everybody around these parts is already focused on the playoffs, but Daryl Sutter and the Flames themselves are quick to kind of squash that talk. They don't want to be talking about that now, given just how busy the month of April will be. All kinds of hockey left, and, you know, Daryl Sutter doubled down when he said, you know, as an organization, there's been very little success around here the last number of years, so no matter what, into the postseason, they're coming in as underdogs, a little gamesmanship as you might uh, expect from the head coach so tonight uh, the focus I think will be primarily on the penalty kill Daryl Sutter doesn't like when his team uh, takes penalties and he certainly didn't like the fact that against Colorado he gave up uh, some power play goals to the avalanche that will be the focus he is not changing his lineup tonight everything stays the same including the goaltender uh, Jacob Markstrom it is the Kings and Flames from the Scotiabank Saddledome here in Calgary Tim Another guy, guy, Ryan Leslie, and they scored two power play goals in that game to the Avs without Nathan McKinnon. Good news for Colorado, at least. He'll be back in the lineup tonight as Colorado hosts the Sharks. McKinnon missed Tuesday's game after suffering a suspected hand injury in this fight with Matt Dumbo last weekend. X-rays on McKinnon's hand came back negative, and he will indeed return tonight. Speaking of returns, Sammy Kaz returns to the show right now as he joins me from the NHL on Sportsnet Studios. What's going on, Sammy Kaz? How are you, man? I'm doing great. What's going on with the digit? You got Johnny Granola over there. What's <laughs> happening with Tim and Friends? Johnny Granola. That's one of the best I've heard. Yeah, I, uh, I uh, make the stupid mistake of playing indoor soccer goalie, so the old, uh, the old finger kind of went the wrong way. And uh, apparently I'm going to get a real splint tonight. Well, it could be worse. You could be goalie for the dart team. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Goalie for the dart team? You don't right. want to be that. All right. Yes, the dart team. Sorry. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's even worse. Uh, the finger looked a little messed up yesterday, but we're all good. Uh, we were talking earlier about the Hart Trophy winner in the National Hockey League. If... It stopped right now. Who you got, Sammy? I, I still have Huberto. Uh, I think really? He's had, yeah, he's in, yeah. had an incredible season. Now he's going to get votes taken away from him because he plays on the wing, leads the league in assists. He's playing for a, a team that's you know contending for a for a top spot. So I, I don't know. I, I like what what he's brought to the table for them this year, and he's exceeded uh, you know career highs and that sort of thing. So I, I like Huberto. Uh, excellent playmaker. So fun to watch this guy play. Tucked a couple the other night. So. He's, he's my guy, um, but I think there's huge competition this year when you think about 
you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl are going to be in the conversation for sure. Matthew's going to be in the conversation. Goudreau's had an unbelievable year. Some people talk about Shostirkin a little bit. Yep. I, it's it's tight. I think I think a lot of the races are tight this year. I think about Coach of the Year, the Jack Adams. There's probably five or six guys that you can put in that category. The Norris probably comes down to Yossi and Makar. Uh, I don't know. It's a lot of the races are tight this year, so it's uh, it's going to be fun to watch who uh, who ends up with all the hardware. All right. So is the Rocket Richard pretty damn yeah. tight? Uh, a Leaf 50 goal score. Like what what what? Did, I was trying to ponder where this fits, and you know. Someone said to me it was going to be a historic night in Toronto if he gets to 50. And I was like, really? And then I started thinking about, well, the Leafs haven't had many 50-goal scorers. You can count them on one hand, even with the broken digit. Like, it's Rick Vive, it's Dave Anderchuk, and it's Gary Lehman. What, what would it mean to see Matthews get to 50, whether tonight or this weekend? Oh, it's, it's huge. It's an amazing accomplishment for anybody in the league at any time. And the thing that kind of sucks for me is that if you go back and look at the two-game suspension, which I believe was deserved, yeah. who knows? Those two games, maybe we're talking about 60 instead of 50. So that would be an unbelievable accomplishment. I think there's maybe only 20 guys that have ever reached the 60 plateau. But I'm not even counting Matthews out for that conversation. That's how good he is. Yeah. And oftentimes, it's not just one. He's putting in two. He's putting in four and two games. He's putting in five and six games. Like, he, he's unbelievable. I think right now, I think he's the best player in the league. I believe that. Uh, that's an interesting one because then you throw him right back into that hard conversation. We get in that spin cycle again, but I don't want to do that. So the Leafs, uh, as Jesse Fugue said, it seems as though Jack Campbell is medically cleared to play, but it will be Shalgren tonight. How do you see this working out? Because they've got – Kind of a, a, a heavy schedule over the next little while. Well, uh, Jack, you, you better be ready. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what's going to have to happen. I don't think there are any other answers. I mean, we're going to show a, a graphic tonight in our game, but all the goalies, I think the Marlies have used eight different goalies, all kinds of guys, sickness, illness, shoulder, head. It's like me when I get up in the morning. But when you look at what's going to happen with Mrazek being out six weeks, uh, you know, I think we've gone down the road of Michael Hutchinson. I love him. He's a wonderful young man, but I think that road has been traveled. He'll be the backup tonight. But it's going to fall on Jack Campbell's shoulders. And it is kind of interesting because he had his best success this year when Peter Mrazek wasn't looking over his shoulder. So maybe Jack's going to be able to regain that confidence based on the fact that there's no one behind him. So uh, if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, if you're their management, that's what you're hoping is going to happen with Jack Campbell. There's this interesting balance, though, Sammy, of seeding where you match up in the Eastern Conference and how much you play Jack Campbell down the stretch is is that something you'd keep an eye on not not for me i mean no. you have to get them up to speed I, I don't i don't worry about the seating honestly if it were me i think the best matchup is carolina to be perfectly honest with you so that would put you in a wild card spot that's not likely to happen right. but i think they match up best against carolina and it would be a running gun series i mean it would be unbelievable to watch but hey you're thinking about boston uh, ex- exercising the ghost there do you really want to play Florida or Tampa Bay? Uh, I don't think so. Probably Tampa ahead of Florida. You hope that there's some fatigue that sets in. But when you have a team that's played this well at this time of the year, 
Do you really want to play them? Honestly, I think the best matchup that they can get right now is, is Carolina. And I know everyone's going to think I'm crazy for saying that, but I look at the other three matchups and I don't particularly like those either. Yeah, I wouldn't worry all that much about who you get in the postseason. I would just make sure that you don't overwork Jack Campbell, yeah. but get him up to speed, and that's kind of a healthy balance. All right, I know there for are sure. a couple of face palms in Winnipeg. There was a face palm on this desk when I heard that Kyle Connor and Nate Schmidt were going to COVID protocols for Winnipeg, but they got out a win last night on a, on a wonderful <laughs> and or controversial, yeah. depending on who you talk to, shootout goal from Blake Wheeler. Some thought that he stopped or stepped back. Nah, I didn't see that. I know you're not allowed to stop on a shootout. Uh, I thought it was good, but this, this Jets team just kind of sort of won't go away. They're really a frustrating team to watch because I think they should have a better record, and I don't yeah. think they should be in this position, to be perfectly honest with you. But the starts that both Shifley and Wheeler had really set them back quite a ways. And so as a result of that, they're continuing to try and play catch-up. So I like what they have here in terms of Hellebuck and goal. Yeah. You know, the back end, Schmidt is a big loss. Obviously, Connor, 41 goals, accounts for about 19, almost 20% of all the goals that Winnipeg has scored this year. But, hey, they gutted it out last night. The travel isn't particularly bad. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what this game has when you think about the December 5th game that Jesse Fuchs just, just talked about. Yeah. Um, but Winnipeg, man, they're, they're, they're legit, and I don't think they're going to go away. I mean, Hellebuck can handle this load. He's going to play over 4,000 minutes. That's the most since Cam Talbot you know, did it with Edmonton in the 2016-17 season, and it looks like he can handle that load, and they're going to need him to handle that load. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, so, so I don't expect that you're going to see the December 5th workout unless it gets out of hand one way or the other. I don't think so either. But, but you know, Sheldon Keefe <laughs> hinted Call at Sir a mix a lot. There's a big the butt coming. changed a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I, probably not, to be honest. It's too important a game for Winnipeg to, to get involved in that. Yeah. Uh, but you never know. Crazy things happen in hockey. Well, that's, I mean, listen, I thought that they should address, the Leafs should address Wayne Simmons in Boston. I thought that they should yeah. have had that foresight that maybe that was coming down the pipe, but uh, having him in tonight is just insurance, right? Yeah, and then you put him with Clifford out there, and, you know, Spezza, does he have an axe to grind? Ah, probably not, but still, I, I think if you're Toronto, you're looking and focusing more on, hey, this is a team coming off back-to-backs. This is maybe something you can jump out to a good start, try and pin uh, the Jets down early because they got pinned down by Buffalo, didn't get a shot for the first nine and a half minutes of the game last night. So I think that's something that Toronto can try and take advantage of early in this game. Uh, Canadians in Hurricanes also in action. Can, uh, the Kings are in Calgary to take on the Flames. Uh, Calgary is such an interesting beast because uh, I keep doing this where you look at the, the, the big picture and they're in and around the same spot as the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the visions in Toronto are completely different than the visions in Calgary, unless you're talking to Daryl Sutter, who keeps harping on the... Is, is this a, a special matchup still for him with his former Kings team that he could probably point to to a lot of those Calgary dudes and say, like, these guys got it, and because they got it, we got cups. Yeah, I, I think he's a master diversionist. And I think when it comes to Daryl Sutter, honestly, he doesn't give two craps about the L.A. Kings anymore. He's right. going to bleed his red. He's going to go to the farm. He's going to stitch up some cows and whatever else. And I think that's all he really cares about. But do you think that he could use the Kings in those? Like, I mean, I, I really think that he, the things that the Kings did well with Johnny Quick and Nat yeah. are the things that Calgary needs to clean up 
with Markstrom in that, and they could be really, really dangerous. Honest, I, I think the teams look really similar, and there's pieces obviously now with with Toffoli, uh, you know, with Lewis there, yeah, uh, with Lucic, yeah. even though Lucic didn't win the cup, but he was still a part of that LA team. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of similarities. They play big, they play heavy. This team probably is a little bit deeper in terms of depth of scoring. They ride their number one goalie a ton. They're really good in special teams, and they got a back end that can beat you up a little bit with some size. So uh, I, Calgary's really well positioned and very much similar, I think, to what those L.A. teams had. So maybe there is a comparison you can make there. But I, when it comes to Daryl Sutter, it's, it, it's really tough to get a read on him. I don't think he looks at anybody else or anything else or compares this team yeah. to that team. I think he looks at the day ahead of him. And says, how am I going to divert everybody from talking about contracts and trades and injuries and marks from playing too much? How am I best going to be able to do that today so we can just focus on the task at hand? That's what, that's what I really believe about Daryl Sutter. I don't think he gives two craps about anything else than the task in front of him on Every that day. Every day, yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, and Johnny Goudreau will get some of those Hart Trophy yes. votes that you and I were talking about. He's been unbelievable. And like many in Toronto, many in Calgary will just be waiting for the playoffs to roll around to see what Johnny Goudreau does. Oh yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to watch Johnny because that's an area in which he struggled in the past. I mean, you can say that about Mitch Marner with Toronto too. So I guess yeah. you find some similarities there. Yeah, without a doubt. Sammy, uh, love having you on. Thanks for doing this. All right, thanks. See you, Johnny Granola. <laughs> is there a I'm gonna is, get there, a is there made. dart teams anywhere? Like I don't. That's why I was confused by the dart <laughs> one a little bit. I could see, I could I could I see that. Thinking like smoking darts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where I went first. It's like. Yeah. And dark guy? Is that what we're talking about here? Dark guy, yeah. That was. Uh, it would be dangerous, though, to play goalie on the dark team. Yeah, I would <laughs> think so. All right, what? time for a break. When we come back, uh, more heart conversation because I think that uh, there's enough of an open area here for some of the Tim and friends to jump in. We'll check in on those friends next. They're mad at us about something. Oh, yeah? Mm -hmm. Got into a little bit of a heart trophy discussion in our opening block and then again with Sam Cosentino mm -hmm. in last segment. We've gotten a few of the friends of the show to write in and discuss their heart trophy candidates and or picks. What are we hearing and why are you laughing? Well, because there are some good responses. Uh, we sent out the board with the heart trophy odds. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't make these odds up. These odds come to us from Vegas. Uh, Matt writes in, says, Matthews is the favorite because it's the only way a trophy finally makes it into the Leafs' hands at the end of the season. Oh, snap. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. I, might even, I might even give him that one. Oh, one of these. Yeah. 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 Pretty good, Matt. Pretty good. Uh, Max says, one Johnny Hockey, two huh? Yossi, three McJesus. Matthews will need to score 60-plus to win. Uh, RJ writes in, and uh, this was a bit of a discussion above, but he says, uh, each of those guys is surrounded by elite talent. I'd argue as a Bruins fan, I might add, that no one is more influential than Shesterkin. You take him away, or if he's pedestrian, the Rangers might not even make the playoffs. His numbers are far superior to Georgiev. Now, I thought this was interesting because I went and looked at his numbers a little bit, and I compared it to, to Carey Price, uh, when Carey Price won the Hart Trophy in the 2014-15 mm -hmm. season. And Shesterkin has a better save percentage, but Carey Price's goals against average that season was 196. 
Now, Shesterkin isn't even leading the league in goals against average at this current point, right? That's Freddie Anderson. Freddie Anderson. <laughs> so it's kind of like the Matthews argument. If We said if Matthews doesn't win the Rocket, then he's likely not going to win the Hart. If Shesterkin doesn't no. win, well, I don't know if it's win, but doesn't finish with the lowest goals against average, should he win the Hart Trophy? Did, uh, I'm going to put you on a spot here, oh, but yeah. did Carey Price win both? Was he number one in goals against and number one in save oh, percentage that's it, that yeah. year? I would presume because it was a 9.33 save percentage <laughs> that season. That's yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with yes. That was in 2015-2016, correct? 2014-15. Uh, 2014-2015. Um, so close. So, yeah, I mean, for me, that kind of rules Shesterkin out. Although, granted, he's been much better than Georgiev for the New York Rangers. Uh, but there's some more great responses coming in here. Trent says, how is Matthews even ahead of Dreisaitl? Same amount of goals, but Dreisaitl has 97 points, which is fascinating to me because <laughs> he plays with McDavid. So this is where the argument comes in. Does, yeah, Dreis- does it work against Dreisaitl that he plays with Connor McDavid? Of course it does. And how much? And does same thing with Johnny Hockey. If Johnny Hockey didn't have Jacob Markstrom on his team, who you could argue is more valuable to his team than Johnny Hockey is, then I think you would get more votes. Like, listen, the way that the NHL describes this award is the Hart Memorial Trophy is an annual award given to the player adjudged to be the most valuable to his team. Winner is selected in a poll by the Professional Hockey Writers Association in all NHL cities at the end of the regular season. So if you're not even the most valuable on your team, how do you win this award? Yeah. Right? And so now you play that game. Who's more valuable? And don't act like Austin Matthews doesn't score as many goals as he does without Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner is one of the elite passers in the league. And I don't know if the first tweeter was suggesting that the odds were in favor of Matthews because of the trophy, but the odds are based on betters. And there might be a lot of Toronto Maple Leaf fans looking for a Hart Trophy betting on Austin Matthews, and that would lower the odds. So it doesn't mean that he's the favorite to win it based on votes. It means he's the favorite to win it based on money coming into Vegas. Do you understand yes. the, the, the delineation there? Of course, of course. There's, there's teams in Vegas that are popular. It's like, how, yes. is, how is Tiger Woods? For the, I always got to bring it back to Tiger. But Tiger is like a 51-to-1 favorite to win the Masters. Dude hasn't played in forever. That's what happens. The public bets on these guys, drives the nervous. odds down. 51-to-1. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, he could win it. Uh, Kerry Price did lead there you go. the NHL in both save percentage and goals against average that year. Uh, Devin Dubnik was second in goals against average. Kerry Price, 1.96. Devin Dubnik, 2.07. And Dubnik, again, was second in save percentage that year, 9.33 to 9.29. So a pretty significant lead, too, for Kerry Price in both. I feel like Shesterkin was there. He was... If he, he was ha- there. Yeah, but there are a couple games over the last little while where he's given some of it back, and that's why the door is open for Frege to say Roman Yossi or folks in Calgary to say Johnny Hockey. Yeah, I just don't think there's enough time for the other guys like the Goudreaux and the Uberdos at this point of the season. It feels to me like it's a two-horse race yeah. between McDavid and Matthews. And I feel like, almost a toss-up. I point. feel like Uberdeau loses out to Barkoff, too, because Barkoff yeah. is good, too. No question about that. That's an interesting one, and I wonder if they will continue it. Coming up on Sportsnet, Hockey Central. Carolyn Cameron, Sam Cosentino, as you just saw, 
and Justin Bourne are up next. For everybody else, Tim and Friends continues on Sportsnet 360 with Craig Forrest talking a little bit of soccer. Canada is qualified for the World Cup. The draw is tomorrow in 60 seconds on 360. Where were you moment, Canadian pride, the snow, the conditions, a chance to complete that quest for Qatar 2022. Mustachio to Is that the goal that sends Canada to Qatar? You Canada is going to the World Cup. I live for this moment. The hold of Canada seeing how important this sport means to this country. We think we made our statement this time around. How do you describe all of this? I got no words, buddy. I, I, I honestly have no words. We've never seen this before. I've been preaching this belief, but when it finally happens, it's speechless. We're coming. We're only getting started here. Canada's fans, national team is going to Canada's going a little bit of an anticlimactic finish to their qualifying against uh, Panama yesterday in Panama. But nonetheless, uh, there is a draw tomorrow. Canada is in that draw. And a man that we haven't talked to in a while is joining us now, Craig Forrest, who uh, had no words on Sunday and understandably so. Craig, uh, with a little time now to let it marinate, one more game to kind of settle in. Can you understand what has gone on here and maybe put into words what this means to Canadian football slash soccer? Well, I don't know if we would have enough time to, to be honest with you if we were going to go over everything that has happened and reasons why we're where we are. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's an exciting time. There's uh, so many great things to talk about as far as the team, the togetherness, the qualification itself, uh, finishing top of CONCACAF. First time we've ever done that um, when Mexico has been involved in, uh, in a qualification before in 86. They weren't involved, obviously, because they were host nation in 86. So uh, it's an amazing achievement that in itself. Uh, and then also that I think we would be celebrating the same way if we had just stumbled in to third place or even fourth place uh, Costa Rica have to play New Zealand in the playoff. I don't think we'd be too disappointed with that either, but this is a side that is coached by that man there, John Herdman. And he's got this team together, a bunch of really tidy, brilliant, technical, gifted, speedy players that have been so exciting for us to watch and it's put a smile on everybody's face and I think just uh, at a time when we really we all really needed it for several different reasons uh, Tiba Hutchison in the last shot there 20 years with the national team he's always been the greatest probably player player we've ever had in my opinion and you know we're just sort of getting to know him now with the Canadian public and it's just a great opportunity for him as well so there's so many really feel good stories around this team that have uh, just been excellent and uh, uh, I just can't get enough 
enough of it at the moment. Can I can I focus in for a flash? Because I agree with everything that you just said. However, the culture around not just the program, but the stadiums. And I'm not just talking BMO Field. I'm talking Edmonton and Hamilton as well. And what we're seeing, kind of this, uh, this groundswell of support, over a million people watching on TV over the weekend. Like, you, you've been in Canadian football for a long time. Did you ever think, not just on the pitch, but... The entirety of the program, the women being gold medalists in Tokyo, uh, the scenes that we see across the country, and the support that the team's getting outside the pitch. Did you ever think that we would get to this point culturally as a footballing nation? Hmm, that's a good question. I, I think with the women, we absolutely have done that uh, culturally. Uh, I think the men have you know, finally caught up to our women's program, or I guess, or at least uh, putting themselves in, a, in the shop window where it's been basically negative, negative, negative for so many years, as you know. I mean, I was nearly 20 years at Sportsnet, and I think people watching all the Canada games over the last 20 years that we covered probably think I'm a miserable get because I don't do anything <laughs> except complain and itch about what the teams do. So it's just been so much fun talking in a positive way. And so, right. yeah, it, it, did I ever believe it? Um no, no, I don't think I ever did quite believe that we would get to this stage with with what we have, the the talent. They're falling out of the sky at the moment. It's it's quite yeah. something, uh, you know. I mean, just Kone, he didn't play particularly well no. um, in the first half there and got pulled off against Panama in the last game. But he's a young guy that is just learning as well, and he's coming into this big stage, a big moment. And I don't think we have a player like him, a profile player like uh, Kone in our lineup. So he's going to be a great addition down the road. And remember, we have to 2026 as well. So part of that is that momentum that we can keep uh, over this sustained period of time and then remember it's going to be expanded to 48 teams the world cup so at that point Concacaf is going to have as many as eight automatic teams and a couple playoffs teams perhaps so from uh, now on in uh, i think uh, i'll bet my well i'll bet my life on the fact that canada will be in every world cup from here on in it's nice to have qualified for one before 2026 when we're gifted it as well right i don't want to even get into the uh, the larger format because i'm not really a big fan it takes away from uh, what we just saw which was absolute mm-hmm. uh, scenes across this country and on the road so so let's focus in on what will be a a world cup draw and a proper world cup draw were you concerned that it went from pot three to pot four and for the uninitiated this means that canada will be the fourth ranked team in their group as opposed to the third ranked Mm -hmm. team in their group well you know i I was looking at that even you know a long time ago and i i yeah, it would be nicer to get into pot three. There's some potential there for sure, but I wasn't really too concerned about that. My my real concern is pot two. You know, uh, there's some big teams in pot yeah. two, so you can end up with a giant in part one, uh, or you can end up with Qatar. I'll take. I would take that. Um, and then in pot two, there's a whole bunch of quality there too. There's some quality in pot three as well, but there you go with uh, pot two. So you don't want to. Germany, Germany, Netherlands. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get well, United States, of course, because they're in our region. Uh, so Uruguay, Croatia, these are all pretty tough teams, but there's some excellent teams in there as well Then you want to avoid if you, you know, so I'll take the easiest route possible for Canada to get out of the group because this is an exciting thing too, is that I think we're, we've got a team that has that potential to get out of the group and then all bets are off at that stage. And, uh, they, and I really think that Canada is going to end up being the team, uh, kind of like Iceland uh, were in former 
more tournaments uh, that, that, you know, the, the neutrals favorite. And, uh, you know, so I think we've got that on our side. And I hope the, the Italians in Canada now, the, you know, we have a lot of them that obviously massive Italian fans. I, I just, just took my Italian jersey down uh, today, actually, and <laughs> felt, felt yeah. so bad about it. But um, they'll, they're going to jump on Canada, I hope. Um, that's what I'm hearing. I'm seeing it's an exciting time for that. And let's face it, I mean, for years and years, we've basically been... Uh, chasing and supporting the countries of our parents and that's right. great but now all of a sudden a lot of those uh, people that have grown up first second generation canadians can go now go and wow you know what we've got something proud to follow ourselves uh, i went to catholic school grew up with a couple of italians and i want to tell you that they had uh, they had already given some allegiance to canada before italy went out like there is a newfound respect. My men's league games, it used to be, you talk, I've said this a couple of times, but it used to be, you talk about, you know, Jamaica, you talk about Italy, you talk about Portugal, you talk about Greece. And now, even before Italy went out, even before North Macedonia went out, um, there was talk about Canada and the talent that was on Canada and that these guys who had grown up in the game were proud to say that they were Canadian because of the football being played on the pitch by Canadians, which is crazy. So, But let me ask you this, because this is part of the fun of the draw. Like, is there a part of you that kind of wants to see Canada up against a world powerhouse that Italy would have been had they gotten in, but now like Brazil or England? Like, is there part of you that kind of just want, and you'd rather in the knockout stage, of course, but yes. is, there, is, there, is there part of you that kind of just wants to see what can these boys do against the best in the world? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I asked uh, Jonathan Osorio that same question, and he said, you know, I'd have to say Argentina. He said if I had a chance to play against, didn't even mention his name, we don't know who that is, Messi, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, to see him in the flesh, to play against him, to put your skills up against him, um, that just shows you where the player's mindset is as far as that as opposed to going oh no we don't want argentina you know so right. uh or anybody like that uh my guess is they're gonna get their their wish uh, they're gonna get a big side at, in the draw i would imagine and uh and then you know from there on if they get to knockout stages it's gonna get in the harder and harder so i don't think they're gonna be any problems as far as facing some of the the, the massive sides you know the massive footballing sides around the world with huge following and and ex expectations to win the world cup as well and we have to remember our star player like a world-class one of the best if not the best left-sided player in the world has missed half of these qualification games yeah. alfonso davies has been sitting there entertaining everybody at home and doing an amazing job with it and he's just a superstar doing it. And that's another thing as well. You know, you look at social media and these types of things that are now around for our players. They can build up a following like that, uh, like never before, where we've used to have to rely on, uh, you know, sort of mainstream media to do that. And Fonzie has done an amazing job with that. His personality is absolutely perfect for building the game and for young followers to, to get in behind him as well and, and enjoy everything that he brings to the game on and off the field. You know, it's funny. Uh, I was talking to some about the game just just where the game has come and uh how the stars can market themselves and one of, one of my friends was like yeah but you know i love my hockey and i go just listen jordan heitema has more instagram followers than Connor mcdavid and Sidney crosby combined okay like there's a different world out there where you can advertise for yourself, you can market yourself, you can reach out to audiences yourself, 
and there's like if you look a lot of these youngsters are doing it themselves and there is a level that some of these stars can hit that I don't know that Canadians kind of living in the world that we lived in our entire life Craig can understand and Davies is one of those guys I totally agree. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I think he's sitting around 10 million or something like that, social media followers. And, you know, put that in perspective, that's massive. I, I think Ovechkin has like 4.1 million or something like that. And then you go to a guy like Ronaldo, who's in a different planet. You know, he's got 650 million <laughs> social media followers. Think about his advertising for that. Like that, that's th- six Super Bowls. Yeah. He puts he puts out a tweet or a, or something on Instagram and all this like I mean that's massive amounts of money these guys are making just from that. Fonzie, if I was his agent, I would see have him sitting there cuz that view that's been viewed something like 3 million plus times. If he's got some kind of product placement oh, around without, you know, without a doubt. It, no, Without what is a that doubt. Worth? Yeah. yeah, that's the new it's it's so I I looked it up as you were speaking cuz I had read it once. For one post on Cristiano Ronaldo's Instagram, just his Instagram, just his IG, it's worth $1.6 million. Just to put one post up, $1.6 million per post. So that's what we're talking about here, and that's the reach that these guys have outside of old-school media like you and I. That's right. I get about six cents a, a tweet oh, for nice, mine or something nice. like that's that. about a penny more I'm, than I'm, me, Forrest. That's about a penny. All right, listen, this is going to be fun. This is the beauty of this. I can't wait to break down what the group is. I can't wait to watch how this draw goes down and uh, somehow make my way through the pomp and circumstance that will precede the drawing that we always have. A little bit of chess before from FIFA, uh, but yep. this time I'll enjoy that cheese a little bit more because we're in it. Uh, appreciate you and uh, and glad you had that moment. I, I talked to you before Sunday and it kind of felt like it was going to be a moment and man was that very cool to watch from the outside looking in. Yeah, it was brilliant. And, you know, it was great working with old friends at SportsCenter again. And they were really accommodating because, uh, you know, being down on the field and asked to come down on the field, it wasn't exactly what we, you know, the producers had planned. Um, But they they worked around me as well. And it was mayhem, but it was fun. And uh, I really appreciate it. And Rash, man, did he ever get me a treat? Did he (laughs) ever get me a treat? I mean, he's the best in the business at getting emotion out of people. And he saw that I was uh, struggling just standing there by myself. And then he comes over and, wow, you know, Six that mic in your face, you know, with that beautiful face of his and great questions. That <laughs> <laughs> just killed me. Yeah. He absolutely just killed me. But it was great. It was absolutely wonderful was being with the guys again. And and uh, I hope we can do it again real soon. You know, I, I uh, it'll be a day that I never forget standing in Section 210 with my son, uh, never mind being on the pitch uh, with the rest of the team. Awesome. Thank you for doing this. My pleasure, guys. There is uh, Craig Forrest. Joining us, longtime member of Canada's national team, former Premier League keeper. Time for one last break, last call. But Jesse Rubinoff is next. Oh, ready? How do we get 1.5 million per, per post? Yeah, we're, getting, we're, we're inching closer and closer. I'll and take closer. six cents. We've got some power cents. on Instagram. <laughs> Nearly another show in the books, but before we let you go, we entertain you with a little last call. And my guy, guy. Oh, baby. Thank you. Appreciate that. You're my guy, guy, too. Um, I figure a year in. It's like a year in. Pondering it. Like, it feels brand new. A year and three weeks. It's a year and three weeks. But we're a year in. Like, it feels brand new. Honestly, to me, it feels brand new still. 
You got that new car smell. I spend more time with you than anybody else every yeah. day. Well, that's, and, and now we're a year in. So, Love it. Yeah, guy, guy. Get it over here. Get it in the camera. The other camera. Yeah. You know, no, other, other one. one. Other, other one. one. Yes. Wait, this way. Yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Not awkward oh. at all. Uh, <laughs> they do have big hands, eh? You know, they, they have those big hands, eh? Seven. Um, all right, as we mentioned earlier, the Blue Jays beat the Tigers. Not big gloves. In Grapefruit League action this afternoon, George Springer went two for three with an RBI single. But his most impressive feat today may have happened in the dugout. Really? I'll listen to Springer's Buck Martinez impression. <laughs> I, uh, out of ten, give me an out of ten. That's a that's a solid seven. Yeah, it's a maybe seven. a seven and a half for a newer guy. Uh, Ken Reed's Buck Martinez is probably a nine and a half. Buck is probably the most. You're right. But Buck is probably there's something about Buck's yeah, voice that people distinct. just love to. Yeah, it's very distinct. The voice and the calls. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Get up. We are. We're we're, we're back. Buck's back. Get up, ball. Yeah. Uh, Formula One has announced a new event. Let's go on their 2023 calendar. Las Vegas. It will join Miami and Austin as U.S. venues. The circuit will drive by Caesars Palace, the Bellagio Fountain, and Mandalay Bay, among other landmarks. Back in 2017, driver Danny Ricardo made this prediction on where he wanted Formula One to travel to next. Have a listen. Race in Vegas. <laughs> Lewis, your thoughts? Miami race. <laughs> so pretty good one. So yeah. So those two guys wanted Miami and Vegas, and now we have Miami, Miami and Vegas. Vegas. Sebi's like over here fist pumping. He's so happy <laughs> about the race. Are you going to Vegas? Vegas? Are we going? Is the question. What's going to be more? So the F1 obviously has a ton of hype at the moment because a lot to do with the Netflix yeah. series. It's going to be a pricey ticket. What would be more expensive, Qatar or the F1 race in Vegas? Do you think? I think I think Qatar will be more because it's just distance uh, and yeah, and how much seating there is per event, right? Like yeah, you, there's like a hundred thousand seats for and supply and demand. Yeah, but that's the whole world. I mean, it's, it's a tough one. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Like, it just, no, that came to but me right let now. me just say this. Like, there was a time when F1, like, I remember because I'm old. There was a time when F1 was just lost in the United States of America. Yeah. Like, it was just, there was nothing there. No one, there was, the Brickyard ruled by far, the Indy 500 ruled by far, and maybe NASCAR. And the F1 has come shooting so far up the auto racing and into just the sporting world in the United States and to have both of them there. Like, I don't know if this is a fad. I don't know if it hangs on. Might I don't be. know what it is. Like, all, it's just crazy to see from where it was in the U.S. to where it is now. You could argue it might be the biggest auto circuit or racing circuit in the U.S. Yeah. by viewers, which is, like, for many... That was perfect. Right at the sound. Uh, if in one word, if I were to describe F1 right now, it would just be cool. 
It's just, there's just, yeah. it's just cool. Yeah, it's it's hit a trend yeah. without a doubt, yeah. and it is riding that trajectory. Totally. Uh, okay, the life of a sports reporter can be a grind, chasing down teams and players for information throughout the season. Well, former NBA player and now Denver Nuggets broadcaster Scott Hastings has no problem <laughs> simplifying the process. Take a look. So good. I saw Jamichael Green warming up behind you. Any word yet on if he's able to go tonight? I think he was questionable coming into this game. I'll ask you. Where'd okay. he go? Yeah. Hey, Jamichael. <laughs> hey, Jamichael. You playing? <laughs> no, nah, he's not playing. <laughs> That's how you do it. I don't know why you got to wait for all these, these letters. Why you got to wait for all these letters and stuff to come out? Just ask the dude. He said he wasn't playing. <laughs> we should see more of this, right? This oh. should be the new standard. But no, but it is like half the time it is. But then people go to the mic and they. I love. Listen, Scott Hastings works for Altitude Denver. I mean, he knows that team really well. He feels comfortable. But half the time, when you see the reporter in front of the camera saying, "I uh, yeah. Nick Nurse has spoken," and it looks like uh, Fred Van Vliet will go in tonight. Sometimes you just turn to the guy and go, "Hey, you going?" Yeah. Nah, and then they know. Like that's that happens all the time. Relationship, yeah, you build no, relationship. That's that's my kind of reporting right there. Love without it. a doubt. That was so good. Uh, Bruce Arians has stepped down as head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The 69-year-old will move into a front office role with the team, while defensive coordinator Todd Bowles will take over. Now there have been reports of friction in the relationship between Arians and Brady, to which Arians said, the "Quote couldn't be further from the truth." Timmy. Is he lying? <laughs> Listen, Bruce Arians isn't young, so I don't 69. know that he's lying. Sorry? 60, he's 69. Nice. Um, I don't know that he's lying, but I do know that Tom Brady, in order to come back, would have to sign off on everything. <laughs> so there had to be some knowledge that Bruce Arians wasn't coming back and or, hey, can we get Byron Leftwich a little more power here? And then the owner walks into Bruce Arians' office and says, hey, listen, Tom wants Byron Leftwich to get a little bit more power here. Bruce says, well, why don't you just put me in the front office? Like, there's, I, I guarantee you that Tom Brady did not come back and get blindsided by yeah. this. Guaranteed. Totally and Byron Leftwich could be now the, listen, Todd Bowles is a defensive guy. He's now the head coach, the highest ranking offensive official on that team. Byron Leftwich could be big for him. Yeah, I just want to get to this one last thing very okay. quickly. You can take the computer, guys, if you want. DK Metcalf was asked about his diet. He said, I eat one meal a day, drink one coffee, and eat like three, four bags of candy. Um, this is like offensive to me. Yeah. It, first of all, I don't think he's, I don't think it's truthful. But be committed to the team, DK. Like, come on, man. Okay, but everyone. Improve the diet. Everyone, granola. Sprinkle some granola in there. Everyone knows. By the way, there's a lot of saturated fats in granola that yes. I didn't look at. Yeah. And then that can be converted you into your body, into sugar. Yeah. 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 There's no way. If DK Metcalf, who is the most jacked athlete I've ever seen, eats like that, I would be very mad. Me too. too. Here's the menu tonight. Kids, enjoy all of the action. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. My guy, guy.